They were like, this is an interesting thing, but like, it's, it does like the dude just gives up. I'm like, well, yeah, sometimes motherfuckers give up. Guys, welcome to another episode of Comics and Chronic. Uh, as always, we've got my co-hosts, Jake F.H. and Anthony Iannaccio. Today's guest is Ramon Rivas, the second stand-up comedian, actor, writer, uh, f- funny man, slacker supreme. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, fellas. Oh, thanks for uh, I also like to, I like to throw gently employed in there as well. <laughs> living the dream nice yeah, man. I'm not, I mean it's a, sometimes this is just like a waking nightmare uh, but, <laughs> sometimes it's dreamy but it just depends on the day well Ramon welcome you're a stand up comedian first met you well we first met like basically when things opened back up you came down to Morgantown and did that show and you've been back one other time with Joyelle yeah it was cool like that was uh it's nice to be able to like patch little DIY stuff together because so many, so many clubs will just straight up just not respond to, to you trying to talk to them. Yeah. So it's nice that there's people like you who are like working to like have a little community built around, you know, just coming to see whoever comes to town and it's, you know, it's more equity than a club would give you anyway. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a nice thing. So I was glad to be able to go to Morgantown. I think the last time I did it was like a decade ago for some like sad uh, like VFW Lodge Booker type of lady, <laughs> uh, and and then she uh, she again was one of those people who like why are you emailing me? It's like to get work at your sad shows, you know. Well, never mind. I'm not gonna email you no more. <laughs> Do you have like a like one city that you really like performing in? Um, I really like. You know, I, I, I'm from Cleveland, so like very similar to Cody, I would run a lot of my own shows in that area just to kind of get up more. And that was kind of inspired by an early trip to Chicago, which is a great comedy city. There's mm. so many open mics every night and great showcases and great clubs. So there's kind of like a natural farm system to go through. So I really like Chicago. And then in my travels, like I really love Denver. Uh, it's got a cool, it's very, you know, weed friendly chill people cool crowds good luck good another diy independent scene um anchored by a strong club new york is dope uh it sucks at first just but like i've been going there since like 2010 so like every time i go back it's a you know the shows i'm able to access are a little better the shows i'm you know the the caliber of like snack i'm able to eat goes up a little bit So like yeah, those are the main those are main ones. Like LA is cool, but it, I don't I don't think it's as fun to do shows in. It's fun to hang in, but it's not fun to perform in as <laughs> as much as the other places. Yeah, Jake, you're out uh, in LA. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's all it's all right. It's like nothing. There's nothing that that shows in LA feel any different 
the only like side effect is like there might be someone in the crowd who can like give you a job. I have a question for you, Ramon, because the last few shows I've been to out here in L.A., I've been noticing something and I want to see if you notice it. And Cody, you too. I've noticed comedians doing memes that I see and have on my phone and passing it off as their own original comedy. Have you been experiencing that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who are lazy just in general. And but they, trying they, to they like, kill it. And I hate seeing them get credit. Yeah. I mean, there's no, an audience doesn't have, um, an encyclopedia of like jokes or even the integrity to care that that might be a meme. They might, they might be laughing cause they know the meme mm, uh, yeah. more than they know. They think the joke is funny. It's kind of on the artist to like rise above that. Like, yeah, easy, easy for low hanging fruit like that, that it's like, you know, most of those memes are just the most generic quick thing you can think of for those. It's they're, you know, very, um, set up punch or very yeah. like um you could feel it telegraphed if if that were a if all memes were just jokes you it would just be the hackiest set yeah from yeah. start to finish because it's the it's very easy so it's people who are too lazy to not do that which like hopefully they're not gonna go very far but uh, I, a lot of times what i see happening is like people who have these followings from other avenues will start doing comedy with like meme shit mm. And then because they have a draw in this thing, people will pay to see them do comedy. Mm. So then it kind of bastardizes what like curators are looking for. Cause like, it should be just good comedy, which you wouldn't look at that. But if you're just trying to sell tickets, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll book this person who's doing all these memes, but they, they're going to sell three, 300 tickets a couple of times a week. Exactly. And I see that a lot out here, especially like uh, I'm on actors access. And I know a lot of the breakdowns will say like, Oh, like post your social media following because they already want like a, mm-hmm. a built in audience. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. And it's, it's frustrating. Cause I, I mean, I'm also on actors access. So it's, it's the same thing, yeah. but it's one of those things like just kind of studying like um, the there, there's people who do it shitty like that. And there's people who turn their own jokes they've written into memes, like reverse engineering yeah. it. So like people like Jason Banks on TikTok, who like he legitimately had people started like hit one of his jokes went viral as a tweet that someone else made. And so he just started TikToking the act outs of his jokes mm. with like him, a squished face of his son and like his son's friend and million. Now he's got like millions of followers can sell out everywhere, but he was a great comic before that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's a, and then there's comics like Namesh Patel who are like, he's just putting his stand up in, in, in these online arenas, but it's giving people a, a viral or a memeable moment. But that is, specifically his or theirs or you know wh- whatever artist is doing it so there's some people like working the system yeah with their own you know integrity and equity and then there's people who are just kind of like gaming the system because you know no and that's cool. everyone I on yeah i don't mind people posting their own stuff i do feel like the people that you're talking about jake probably like won't have la- lasting power. Hope you know what I mean. I mean, like, I, either that I would. I don't want to sound bitter, but that's my better. that's my hope that they that the, yeah either that they're forced to get. But I don't know. I see it a lot, dude. Like 
there are literally times where I'll turn to my friend and I'm at a comedy show and I was like, yo, I have that meme on my phone right now because I spend yeah. like, too much time on Instagram. So like I see every meme. <laughs> I'm going to know if you tell him mm-hmm. the set. And I know, yeah. and I know that person didn't create the meme. Not that like, you know, anyone takes credit for the memes they share, but it's like, come on, at least write your yeah. own shit. I don't know. Yeah. It's just how I feel. I I'm, I'm a jaded man, I guess. <laughs> no, I feel and then, and then like there's the there's a lot of shitty instances of that, but like the best iteration of someone who was like famous before they did comedy and then like used that to their benefit is like Theo Vaughn. Yeah. Who yeah. went from like this real world kind of like kitschy niche, you know specific booking to like now he like legitimately like a beastly storyteller like he hit a corner at some point where all that uh, uh, uh access that the exposure gave him gave him the the, the playing time to actually like get the skill set together yeah. you know yeah which is cool which is cool to see so it's like it's nice when like someone who actually like want wants to do the work is able to <laughs> do it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think I'm pretty sure I read an interview with Nicole Byers where she said she did the exact same thing. She started getting big bookings way above her pay grade early on. And she was like, man, that for those first hand little bit chunk of time was, I did awful. Thank God. I, people gave me room to improve. So, yeah. So, I mean, like yeah, the people man. who really care are going to put in the work. Yeah, regardless of sometimes the work's a little easier on the front end, but you know the, the, that's the that's the the path we we get to go down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, please, dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, have you been seeing that a lot more? Like even more recently, Drake. I mean, I've been seeing it for years, and I saw it when you were out here, dude. Like I saw it at that show that the Sugar Mike. Literally, yeah. when I was sitting next to Allie, we both kept turning to ourselves and we're like, that one's a meme. That's a meme. That's a meme. Wait, what's an example? Because I get I know. I Actually, guess I, I know can tell you mean, one specific like, meme that I remember hearing yeah. and it killed. And it is one of my favorite memes, but it is, uh, and I'm sure you guys have seen it. It's white people invaded half of the world for spices and don't even season their food now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Very okay, popular yeah. meme. And I saw this dude do it at a show and it killed. And I'm like, dude, I can show you it right now on my phone. It's just disappointing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, I don't know. It also like just depends. Like a lot of people just like don't know the etiquette or like, I mean, I don't, I'm not defending this person. I don't know how long he's been at it, but like going to open mics and like hosting open mics, you I always want new young people coming through the doors and like to be excited about comedy and stuff. But like a lot of them, especially like the first few times are going to be telling especially in today's day and age and also like i can't i'm sure there are people out there who legitimately think that they came up with this joke because i too like i've written shit and then i've seen it performed by a comedian i was like well i guess it's not an original you know (laughs) like yeah so yeah well also there's like a big uh what's the thing with when everybody's like thinking about the same kind of thing, uh, what's it called? Tangential thinking, uh, like something, um, parallel thinking, parallel thought. Yeah. There's, I feel like there's like a lot of parallel themes and thinking like right now, people love to talk about their trauma and being sad and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's just like a, a common, you know, you know, 10 years ago, everyone, which like people still talk about their families, but I remember like 10 years ago, it was like infinitely more like making fun of parents and you know what I mean? It was the whole Jeff Foxworthy when he would talk about his family and whatnot. Yeah. 
He's like, being a dad is crazy because <laughs> <laughs> Or like a lot of the a lot of like the boomer humor where it's like, oh, being married, oh, it fucking it's like, sucks. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> What's the deal ma- with marriage? I feel like there's parallel themes, you know what I mean? Like people right yeah. now really love shitting on capitalism and trauma. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, if, if, and if, 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 so here's the thing, if we're all like, okay, let's all write a joke about, uh, suicide, right? If we, that's an assignment, if each of all four of us are writing a joke about suicide and then all four of us are writing a joke about, uh, uh, something in the news, like a political thing. And we're all, we're all writing on the same topic. We might all hit close to the same punchline setup tone with what we're doing because we're all going for the same thing versus if i'm telling a joke about a friend of mine who committed suicide it might it's still a joke about suicide but it's through my personal lens so it might not it's going to be a little different patch that's true yeah where you guys are going to go so it, it, it that's the danger of writing like a topical set or trying to chase culture and chase the headlines it's like, that's great if you're like writing like a five hundreds of monologue jokes a day. And like, that's what you're trying to go for yeah. where you're like, I'm just trying to like structurally write jokes to like know how to do it. So I can just try to get a job. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a very tangible real path. But like a lot of those, like if you write a hundred of those jokes, only I'll only write one. but it'll be a joke it'll be a joke i really care about and there's nothing neither of those paths is right but it's like some some people are wired to just sit and just do do, 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 i'm gonna do this and i some people aren't uh (laughs) so you know it's it's cool to like see those things and be like well whatever but it's like a lot of times those people aren't gonna go nowhere like especially if you're seeing it but open mics in la like a lot of those people aren't gonna be anywhere near a comedy club or anywhere where they they go where they're allowed and they're not even gonna exist anywhere else there's comedy yeah yeah ramon my man you just put out an album didn't you uh i just got right uh, yeah i um I, i've been self-distributing my albums because yeah. in the beginning in the beginning of the pandemic i was supposed to do them with a label and it got canceled and then i just talked to a rapper, a friend of mine who self-distributes and just figured out the the legwork of, of all that and how to submit the series. So this will be my fourth album I've self-distributed, but it's all like videos and contents of shit that I have had on my computer, on my YouTube for like years. Yeah. Like the this one I'm releasing now, it's called a, a Apparently Adios. And it's the, in 2017, I, I did a birthday show at like a club in town and uh, I was like, hey, I think this would be the last time I headline because like just as a business thing, it's not beneficial for me to like sell a hundred seventy five, almost two hundred dollar, two hundred tickets. But like that's not going to get me no bonuses. I'm not yeah. going to make as much as if I did it at a, like a music venue, like, you, you know, one, two, three Pleasant Street where yeah. I'm able to get more of a chunk of the door. I'm like, so just as a business, it's not good for me. I'm like, I'll come headline a full weekend because I've. I've got credits. I've done this. I've done that. I was like, but I'm done doing one night. And the club posted, uh, "Come say happy birthday," and apparently, adios uh, to Ramon. I'm like, oh, so y'all just gonna say bye? Okay. Bye. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the 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 album I put out, I chopped up that the set from that night. So it's just me. Just it's an hour of me just like 
doing well at the club, but then just oh, peace out to, to the club. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, but it's a way, like, again, I, I just put it out, I chopped it up, and I submitted it to Sirius. And if anything gets added, I'll just make passive money off of residuals if they play it. Yeah. So, like, that's that's kind of the game for me now is to keep, you know, writing and put out a project and then just try to get it get it on there. Yeah. So, Ramon, uh, one of our favorite things to do, well, this the whole thing of this podcast, we like to get stoned with uh, funny people and talk about nerdy things. Uh, is there okay. anything that you love to nerd out about? Like, nerd out? Um, like, I mean, Are you a comic book fan? Yeah, comic book, horror movies. Star Trek, Star Wars, sci-fi. I used to be really into comics when I was a kid. That was like my reward for uh, doing my chores. But I haven't been, I haven't really paid attention to comics aside from like movies and like pop culture shit since like 95. So I'm really out of like what's happening in comics, you know, now. Yeah. yeah. But, um, nerdy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very like tech gadgety. Nice. Um, nice. so like, but even that's not really like a nerd thing. That's just more like, I just want to have nice things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, do you, you're a big, you mentioned hip hop. You're a big hip hop nerd. Hey, yeah. yeah, man. I enjoy, I enjoy a good music. I've had some people give me like, uh, access points. Like my cousin who lived with me, like got me really into like outcast equipment. I was when I was in like middle school. Nice. So like that and like reflection eternal, this is a telequality and DJ high tech album are like my anchors of like the foundation of my hip hop music tastes were planted in those. And then just kind of, you know, I just kind of download that shit on Apple music and, and see if I like it. Nice. Nice. Okay. So comedy influences, who are you? Uh, you're, you got some dates coming up, don't you? You're opening for Chris Gethard on a run or something. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a show with him when he's in the Cleveland area at Lakewood and then um, the next night in Columbus. And then that's yeah. it. That's that's all the comedy on my agenda for the rest of my life unless I get I just, I just, <laughs> uh, which I'm sure I will. But it's one of those like you're always kind of chasing it uh, and, and, and trying to plan ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. So do you watch any of like the MCU movies or anything like that? Like you were saying, you kind of follow the movies. Yeah. I mean, I sat uh, when I got Disney plus, uh, over the pandemic, I sat and watched like all of them, like in order. Nice. Um, oh, wow. And, um, a lot of people did that. It's dedication. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fucking, yeah, it's a long ass <laughs> time, but I tend to like, <clears throat> I guess if I'm nerdy for anything, it's just like, TV like movie like watching shit mm. like I'm a big fan of like The Wire Hell yeah. and like Breaking Bad like I, there's series that I'll just like rewatch a lot Hell just because yeah. like structurally they're well done yeah. um, so I, I try to like justify that as like I'm studying the craft nice. of like you know <laughs> for taking an idea and like flushing it out um, but really I just like well structured things Anthony's watching uh, <laughs> Sopranos now have you ever watched yeah I have. I just refinished watching that. Nice. Um, I rewatch that every once in a while. It's not as it's good, but because it is more interpretive than something like The Wire, Breaking Bad, um, where there's sh- everything they show you matters and comes back uh, yeah. around and layers up. Where the Sopranos leave so many like untangled threads for you to like interpret. Which is cool. Like it's a, it's just a different type of viewing experience than I 
peak enjoy. Like I still liked it. Um, it and I like actually like I'm one of I try I'm just trying to like write shit. So like I'm writing uh, a a pilot spec script of like a, a Sopranos reboot where Furio has to come back to America like right nice. now <laughs> and like settle up some business that's happening. So it's like checking back in on the world and like trying to like Easter egg shit, but like move shit independently of what's happening. It's an interesting exercise, but you have to know the shows well enough to like try to do that. Let's not, I don't want to spoil it for Anthony because I just realized you haven't finished it, Anthony. So yeah, I know I I suck. I'm the worst Italian. I'm only on season three. Like I just started season three, but I know Furio. (laughs) What would you call that show? Uh, the the title of the episode, the spec script is the sound in the Furio, uh, which is, <laughs> which is a play on William Faulkner Jeez. book. <laughs> That's just what I'm. Again, it's like I, I do a lot of nothing, but I try to like have like I've been working on that for a while. So like I'm on the third act, but like trying to like figure like I, I haven't put like a, a an inciting violent thing which is like a you know you can't it's hard to have a sopranos episode without any sort of fucking right. like firm violence happening yeah. <laughs> so like trying to figure out how to like move things into that arena um is where I'm on that and then like I I just like comfort watching like I put on like king of queens or king of the hill yes i've been doing that lately too <laughs> which is just a good show yeah the best. Yeah, did you do a specs? Was it for that or Bob's? What was it for? King I of did. The I did. I wrote one for both of them. So like uh, nice. Bob's Burgers and King of the Hill. So King of the Hill, it was like a reboot called Queen of the Hill. And like in in that, I had I tried to like I just wrote a thing that was like filling the gap from like when the show went off the air towards like now. So I got to like 2016, but like in the meantime, like. Lucky like slipped and hurt his back for real, so he got like prescription pills, and then I got addicted to oxycontin, and then overdosed and died. <laughs> and uh, everyone was sad from that. And then Luann uh, overdoses and dies just because uh-huh. the actors who played the actors who played both of them yeah. characters are dead. So it's like, how do you, you know? So both of them die because of the opioid crisis, and then so their daughter has to be raised by Hank and Peggy who had just gotten Bobby out of the house. But so the new series is like that girl's the same age Bobby was when the original show started, but nice. she's, she's smarter than everybody uh, in the family. That's, um, awesome. that's awesome. <laughs> that yeah, so I was like trying to like, you know, try to like use all this shit as justification to like, have something like that as an example of like, I think I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, that was, that was my next question. So as, as someone who also like, you know, I, I want to be a writer so bad and I, you know, I've written like a spec script for like, always oh, sunny, but like the way I, I approached it was just to like make an episode. But what, what like both of your examples are crazy to me. Like you just made a spinoff of the show you liked. And that seems like, so you're saying like, like you use that as an example or is that more of like an exercise for yourself, like as a writer? A kind of a mix of both. So like originally, like I'd kind of always try to write shit that was like kind of self-referential, but it's hard to like, and stand up if you're, you're, you were trial and erroring, but if we're paying attention, like the audience is telling us like what's good and what's bad. Right. Yeah. And you and you can adjust your uh, approach accordingly. But if you're just writing a script there, there is no that you're in like an echo chamber. So it's like, I don't I don't know if I'm doing this 
right. right. I don't know if these characters through line makes sense. I don't know if this character makes sense. I don't know what I'm doing. So someone told me to write for a show, an episode of something I know very well, which is like you a fan of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So you wrote that. Mm-hmm. And so kind of same thing. Like I know this world and these characters and their behavior enough to move them in, in an arena of an idea I had. So I did that for Bob's Burgers where like, I was like, oh, it'd be funny if uh, Aunt Gail, which is Linda's sister, dates Jimmy Pesto Sr., Bob's nemesis. I just found that like an interesting, uh, if if that happened, that would have a big fallout like of now Jimmy Jr. and Tina are cousins. So like, can they still (laughs) date? Um, All those sorts of things. And then just kind of wrote the script to try to make that happen. Um, and that made me feel more confident as far as like, okay, I know how to like make a run of something and and do that. But then I couldn't, like, I got the Lauren Bouchard who created Bob's Burgers retweeted about the table read I was doing. And then, uh, Doug Benson, like tweeted it to a writer on the show, but neither of them could, neither of them could read it because of like legal protections that like unsolicited material. So the I emailed the, with the writer a little bit, and he was like, write an example of something that's not on the air anymore so that anyone can read it. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's so crazy because I remember, I'm sorry to interrupt, but back in the day, they would always say the opposite. The, I, the advice I always got was like, don't write for something that's not on the air because it's not on the air anymore. So who who cares? But that's yeah. that, that makes so much sense. I'm sorry, but that yeah. No, it's okay. So it's like the, the the thing I wrote for the show I would like a job on, I can't use to try to get the job on that show. So, um, you know, that's where it's like having examples of like, now you have a half hour, like, cable comedy script done. Now could you have like a network type? Now could you have like an HBO type? Now could you have like an hour long drama where it's more like a Sopranos or um you know uh what else would fall in that or like a dramedy where it's like freaks and geeks or like mm-hmm. something like that. You know, give giving yourself these different spaces to work because like I when I first went to LA I'd have all I'd do well on stage and I've had meetings where people were like what what you got what you doing and I'm like I just I just want to do comedy and they're like okay bye because uh, <laughs> there's no money they don't you can you don't make no money in comedy but if you're like oh, I got a couple scripts I'd like to get a staffed as a writer I'd want to produce something blah blah, blah. they're like oh this dude's gonna make some money let's let's do some business um which is all stuff you can you can do at the crib and wherever you are yeah uh in in the country uh which is cool like the internet's beautiful you can just literally google a script of whatever show you like and read a bunch of episodes see how it looks see how your favorite episode looks on the page and then just try to mimic that with your own idea but so like your spin-off idea basically is that the same idea like it's a show that's not on the air but you're like taking it a step further and placing it like if it were on the air today yeah if it, if it were to come back and could could it stand alone like it's tethered to this other other thing but it can stand alone uh as its own example of a world but the world is going to have a lot of callbacks and, and homages to the existing I- ip and that's just kind of how my brain worked. But if I was writing something that's like on the air still, 
I would try to fit the you know current story arc or existing characters or whatever. Yeah, so like with Queen of the Hill, it's crazy because King of the Hill is actually coming back. I heard that. I I know, so I can't. Oh, <laughs> I can't use that for very good. Damn. And then they're <laughs> they they're green lighting um a, a a reboot of a prequel for The Sopranos, so it'll be like before. Oh, a series? Happened. Yeah, that's oh, what shit. I think that's what I saw David Chase was in talking about. I hope for. not. That movie sucked. That movie was bad. Just because <laughs> like they tri- they tried to do a little too much. Too much fan service for one. It was all too much too much cringed. fan service. And there was there was a lot of like in going back and watching the Sopranos after that, like there was a lot of like flashbacks they could have just mined around yeah. and filled in a lot of the the gaps like that as service. Instead of like, I don't know, it felt like they tried to make, I don't remember feeling like Dickie Moltisanti was anywhere near that big of a deal to Tony at any point in The Sopranos. So I'm like, wait, how's this dude, why not just have it be about his dad and his uncle? Yeah. (laughs) Or his mom, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to go back, like, go back to like something particular. Don't just like, don't tell me that they were running, um, uh, little like Silvio and him and them were and Ralphie and Jackie April were in a little gang since they were kids, but then not have, not having an age gap between not having and like so it's like none of this is Silvio none of this was is adding older up. than Tony in the movie for some reason, and he was bald, <laughs> and it's never implied once that he's bald. He has a full Stephen Van Zandt has a full head of hair. Yeah, but you could tell yeah. it's like a it's not real. In no, the it show. is. I always think it's a it is. I always think it's a wig. No, that's that his hair. It would just get really yeah. I, I I've been assuming it's a wig the whole time. No, that's that's like a thing that they're like, we'll put this in as like a through line of a joke. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I, I guess like, you know, it, it, it was one of those like, yeah, it did look like a hair piece for the thing. So, Oh, look, it was a hair piece. And it just, <laughs> yeah, it just, I think the movie just tried to juggle too much and it failed. Like the last scene was on that dude, that, 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 that random black guy, like, oh, not that I didn't mind his story, dog. but like, there, a, there wasn't that much of it. It tried to, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, then they had, they had, like, there was an episode where um, their councilman Ronnie Zellman and this black dude he went to college with, and they have to get the homeless crackheads out of the houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, so they talked, a, they talked about being involved in the riot back in the day. So it's like, oh, you could have like. Showed us those yeah, people, showed us Ronnie Zellman and the like, black guy, but like they didn't. It's just a weird. It's just a weird. Like the things they chose to chose to go down. Like you didn't. You you just tap Carmela in like real that quick. That was so like, random. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just a terrible movie. David Chase came <laughs> yeah. out beforehand, and he's like, "Hey, uh, I want want to thank you guys for like coming to see it in theaters and like not watching it at home, and whatnot." I was like, oh, he's, oh yeah, Jake saw it in theaters and David Chase. Yeah, was I there. saw it in theaters and David Chase oh, walked out right before it comes on, and uh, we were all like, oh shit! Like it was awesome, honestly. It, I mean, it cool. felt so good going into the movie because of that. <laughs> that by the time I came out, literally one dude went to clap when the credits started, and like nobody followed him, so he just stopped. <laughs> and then the, the guy next to me he was like this i don't know like in his mid-50s bald white fat dude and he throughout the credits he kept like 
trying to like guess what was going on. He'd be like, oh, this is a new Exorcist movie. And it was a Ghostbusters trailer. He was talking to his girlfriend the whole time. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I was like, and then at the end of the new Ghostbusters trailer, I don't know if you see it, but it's like someone picks up and goes, hello. And it's Dan Aykroyd. But uh, the dude, he was like, Bill Murray. It's Bill Murray's voice. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. Anyways, <laughs> after the movie ends, he, he turns to me. He goes, that's how you know it's a good movie. That movie was two hours, but it felt like two minutes. And I was like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? I, I, I will give it that it felt more like a movie than an episode of The Sopranos, but True. they probably would have been better off just doing like a miniseries. They a miniseries and not this bullshit. Of that instead of like, you know, they needed another hour and a half to do it right or like. Yeah. Does it like? Does it even feel like? Because you said they're actually, I guess, making a prequel series now. Does it feel like a setup for a series, or it's not even like that cohesive? No, I don't think. Uh, I don't, think, I don't so. think it felt. It didn't feel like too cohesive in that. I mean, unless they decide to do it centered around like the Aprils, which like they weren't even in the the movie, yeah. um, which is crazy because like they were in charge before the Sopranos, so it's like a weird. Yeah. Uh, also, it was barely a Tony Soprano prequel movie. He's really not in it that much. It's a Dicky Moltisanti movie for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And so, anyways, and that's Christopher's father. Yeah, it's Christopher's or father. Grandpa? Yeah. Gotcha. Is that, yeah. Yeah. Which they they talk about a bit in the series, yeah, but man. they definitely make him out to be more of an alcoholic junkie. In the series, than he was in the than movie. he was in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it just a lot of shit like that just didn't ring. Which again, it's one of those like, well, this this exists before, so you don't you're not con- you're not you know locked into how shit happened in the future because like you're playing with the past. So it's like what gets recorded is completely different than what actually happens. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, but it, you know, it's it's fucking challenging as shit to do. So especially when you have something is like monumentally well renowned and beloved as the Sopranos. It's like, even if you knock it out the park, like that shit was going to drain you (laughs) to get it to that point. Yeah. Like you just destroy every IP just because you, you got to try to make money from it somehow. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you're, uh, you, you don't, you're not doing any comedy for the foreseeable future. You got any dope holiday plans, my man? Um, no, nah, I just hang on my family. Uh, I'm pretty low key. Like I might, I'll probably like pop out to Chicago or New York uh, for like a, you know, a week or a couple of days. Nice. Uh, to, Cause I can like, just get like club spots while I'm there and like popping on some indie shows and like, Hell yeah. at least like do, do comedy, yeah. uh, and hang out with my friends. Uh, which is cool. And then just, you know, send out emails and tr- try to get some shit popping for next year. Nice. It's, it's always the annoying part of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I just did a run of shows with Louisville's Dan Alton. Uh, you know who yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, like, he said, he specifically said, you need to try Ramon's dad's uh, holiday drinks. Oh, Coquito, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's like a Latino holiday drink. I describe it as eggnog with Latino it's flair. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, but my my dad, my family makes it without egg. Uh, but it's just it's a, it's good. And like when I would have my comedy festival, like there'd usually be a night where my dad would make a bunch of that, and then like a bunch of this pork shoulder he makes, and like rice and beans. Nice. And like that's that would be the meal that everyone was eating. 
Nice. Oh, dang. Nice. so good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now I'm just hungry. Cody, you love eggnog. I hate eggnog. What? Oh, I love God. eggnog. I love eggnog. Eggnog is what? awesome. Like, you just drink it straight up? Oh, That's I love straight, straight up. up eggnog. Yeah, I don't even need favorite. alcohol in it, honestly. I'll drink that shit. I prefer no and Me alcohol. too, honestly. I prefer no alcohol. Yeah, I'd rather just <laughs> drink eggnog now and then have alcohol later. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> I got to give it another shot this year. I, ne- I never like it. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite things. It's the only thing that gives. I don't like cold weather, and it's, it's nice. <laughs> it's the lone thing you can look forward to. Yeah, <laughs> for the cold season. Oh, I, your your festival. Um, when was the last time you put that on? 2018, okay. I believe was the, was the last one. Nice. It was like hermit crabbed its way from being like a like small independent venues to like uh, one venue with like multiple stages. It was more like a rock venue, yeah. and then all the way up to the comedy club. And then it just became a, a, a battle of nailing the community vibes and aspects of it compared to like the capitalist, like this needs to make money compared to the budget we're giving you. Yeah. And it's like from a club's perspective for a, a general weekend, they can pay someone like 1500 to two grand to headline. And like, if they sell enough, give them bonuses. But if not, like that's your bottom line versus yeah. like they were giving me like 20 grand to like, book and curate the week yeah. so it's like i would and then i was like making sure everyone had somewhere to stay making sure everyone had shirt made like really giving like proper hospitality giving people a, a travel stipend or, or or set uh set per diem uh yeah. and really just trying to like combat the things i don't like when i go do festivals yeah and that you know, that doesn't always uh, add up. And then I was also living in LA trying to like work remotely with a, a group of comics who were all like kind of trying to like grow and do their own thing. So it was just all very like, it got very headachey uh, that last year. And then I like, it was the year I went and did Edinburgh instead of being home and like going to all the festivals and like hanging up flyers and like doing that type of thing. So, you know, it, it got hard to do it, 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 with anything. Like, it's hard to give a fuck about something. You're not, like, directly, like, your hands in the dough yeah. um, um, doing it. And then it's hard to, to tell people what to do with their hands when their hands are in the dough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Is, are you, is that a project you're just happy to step, going to leave in the past? Or you think maybe uh, one day there will uh, if I do anything, like I'll try to do like a French festival in my hometown because like right. they already do uh, an international festival, which is like a cultural dance groups and like food stands. Uh, and so like I had a really good experience when I went and did Edinburgh, but yeah. like to do it right, to have like a PR team behind you and like a street team and like all this shit, you have to almost have like 10 grand that, yeah. uh, like, like towards the bottom of the expense, uh, you know. Uh, how much it'll cost you like i did it the first year i did it for like three grand like getting there living there the whole month and like not dying so i had like a three grand vacation for a month which is like pretty good pretty good deal but like to not make money that whole month is hard yeah. uh you know what i'm saying uh and like because none of my shows shows sold enough to generate to give me the my uh pay structure 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Versus, uh, so and anyways, if I, but if I spend 10 grand to do a festival in my hometown, I know how far I can make that go. Yeah. And try to build something out there where I, I have a little more emotional equity in, in what's happening. You know, like I, I, you know, Cody runs a bunch of like when you run a successful show, you feel good that you gave the you created this space for like these people, these people to hang out, these people to yeah. meet, these people to know. Like that feel like that's cool, and it's it feels extra cool for me when I do that in my hometown, which like had like this economic fallout. Then like people kind of write it off, but it's like there's still people here. Um, so it's cool to like be able to give them a, a, a space to to you know to connect and, and get to know each other and do shit. Hell yeah! Um, I know you ran a bunch of shows in Lorraine over the summer. Do you think you're going to be able to do it next summer, or is that uh, was the city did things fall out and not end up? Uh, they didn't really fall out terribly. Like they just kind of told me like in order to get permits for public spaces, I have to like. Uh, pay usage fee, uh, an electric fee, which is $75 and then have liability insurance. And like, they never told me how much that would ultimately be. So like, I just gave up uh, <laughs> because the reason I was doing them is because it was easier to just get a permit, do, do a show outside. It's safe, you know, with the pandemic looming and still occurring, like, you know, yeah. giving people this, 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 uh, pay what you want, uh, entertainment, um, to make it accessible to like everyone, you know, from, uh, it was cool to see like people across the socioeconomic spectrum, people across the gender spectrum, people across the racial spectrum, all at the same outdoor shows, just like chilling, uh, hanging out at this party. It was, it was cool to do. Um, but it was annoying to, again, to have to like figure out the infrastructure of like how to do it by the, you know, the, 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 uh, regimented channels that are like uh, acceptable. It's like, I'm paying this up for this shit out of my pocket. Like I can't add a few hundred dollars every show yeah, uh, for, sure. for a free show. Uh, so like <laughs> that, that's an evident, but then it's like, okay, well, if I'm, I can find another space or I can, um, find a sponsor to cover those costs. So it's like, there's things I could do with more forethought. Yeah. Um, and then they also were like, oh, well, you can like talk to the city planner and like look into getting a building downtown and like blah, blah, blah. So it's like, OK, uh, that's like supportive because it's like it'd be cool to have this thing. But then it's also like, oh, I have to do a whole bunch of work uh, <laughs> 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 that, uh, you know, man, like maybe I, I'll, I'll wind up wanting to do it. But like, you know, right now I'm like, all right, that might be a bigger a bigger piece than I'm really able to chew right now, but it's on the, it's on the back burner of like, okay, like that's a thing to work towards, uh, try to anchor it around this thing. Like try, I, what I'm trying to do is line up all my goals, right. So yeah. that they snowball into each other and make each other more effective. Yeah. Uh, so that I'm maintaining more of the equity, like uh, of that labor. Yeah, Does that makes sense. So, like, I you know, totally. I I want to do the festival in my hometown, which is going to be like a fringe and international festival. So, before I do that, I should go to London and the UK and just try to do shows. And so, I'm talking to a person out there, but again, it's one of those like 
if I can figure out how to do it, if a shutdown doesn't happen, if I'm able to <laughs> get out there, if, you know, like that's just kind of up in the air. Yeah. Um, but if I can go out there, do well, make connections, come back, do my festival, have it be, you know, I have experience and success in the past, like putting on uh, an event that the vibe will match. Like I had a dude who he came to the festival the first year was at Hilarities in 2017. And he was like, I've been to this year, him and his wife went to Moon Tower. They went to Just for Laughs and they went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And they said the the accidental festival at the club matched the experience of those and exceeded the intimacy. Cause like we were, he was telling, we were having that conversation and like Doug Benson's sitting right here at a booth talking to like a couple other comics and like everyone's just kind of hanging, like having like a really chill, fun, like kickback after the shows. And that was cool to hear because it's like, I, I pulled that off with like maybe twenty twenty five thousand dollars and the all, every single festival he mentioned has a multi-million dollar and engine behind it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm I'm able to like execute something that equals those things. Um, so it's trying to figure out how to get that 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 type of money behind That's sick. what I'm able to do. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. So it, that shit's hard. Like is that kind of festival is like that not something like the local businesses like want to get behind or or is that how? It can be like what I found is when before when once it got into the comedy club, a lot of places were like, but you're a business like you do comedy every weekend. Like what makes this weekend? Why am I giving you money for this weekend? Uh, is what it ha- was what happened once it moved into that type of space. Yeah. Um, but then it's also one of those things that like you really have to um, like I've been trying to study how theater because uh, like the arts endowment in Ohio is one of the highest in the countries. And it usually goes to like theater groups, uh, symphony to or, you know, our orchestra is really dope. Our playhouse square areas got a lot of shit, but there's like a small, it's called near West theater. It used to be in like a little storefront uh, in, in this neighborhood called Gordon square. Uh, and a few years ago, they just opened up like a $1.3 million building that ha- and have like, you know, the type of, of, of spotlight where you can just clip a thing on your belt and it'll just follow you. Oh, right. Wow. So it's like that type of money got became available to a group of people who like are acting as like a, a day job side thing. Like this isn't it's it, it's I don't want I don't want to degrade it, but it's not at the same they're, they're not at the same tenacity that most people are pursuing comedy, mm. right? Yeah. But they've positioned themselves as an artistic endeavor. So it's being trying to be mindful of that in how I set up and frame what I do versus just being like, I'm doing a show at this bar. Y'all should come. Yeah. Like trying to always right, be right. mindful of that, that bigger wave that it could be a, a, a part of it is, is something that like to, to try to keep in mind, but it also gets overwhelming. So you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. But I've told I've told Cody, like, there's that little around the corner from one, two, three, there's like an old movie theater that you said is like burnt up, like fire. Yeah. But it's like 
bro, like keep running successful shows and put a business plan together and then just go to motherfuckers that have money. Yeah. That live like if you know, if you wind up getting like breweries to fuck with you or like this type of this, that, and the other. Oh, yeah. Talk to them owners and try to get some because like that, you please. can really Yeah, even if they buy it and you just operate at it. Mm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Or you get some form of equity in what you what you're able to contribute does have value. So it's like trying to finesse your expertise into just a space where you can like create. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I also know that you work as like a, a, in a restaurant just in general, like you're, so if you get a thing where like, Hey, I'll handle the booking and I'll be like your back of house manager for like your kitchen. Hell yeah. In this space, who's not going to give you 20% of the thing without you having to give them any money. If that's what you're putting on the table. Yeah, that's true. 100%. Uh, or you can, or just be like, I'm just doing this show at one, two, three pleasant. Yeah. But it's like, that's what the big, like all the energy could lead to that. Or it could just lead to you just having a free bar tab. Yeah. Definitely, definitely <laughs> working on things. I actually, the reason I was so interested in the festivals is I'm organizing a comedy and beer festival with like breweries from all over the state. And okay. stuff like that. So I'm working that's honestly why I was interested uh, in Accidental because everyone I know, everyone I've talked to that's mentioned Accidental has nothing but like the best of things to say about it, you know? Yeah, and it's one of those like when I started doing it, I, I started running that before I ever got into any comedy festivals. Yeah. Um, I just was like, okay, I know when I get rejected from festivals, they just tell me like no, but like no specific reason. Like I don't know what I did wrong or what I could work on and improve. So I would ask the, I'm, I don't judge the, like the, the submissions that come in. I'll have, I'll ask like comedy fans who like come to shows a lot, who like, I'm sure you have them like the regulars who like they're there, they're cool. They're weird, but they're chill. They're kind yeah. of like, <laughs> kind of like adjacent to shit. So it's like, Hey, would you guys be willing to like judge some of these clips? And they're like, oh, excited. But it winds up being a lot because, like, you know, I think the first year I did it, I had, like, maybe 40 submissions. And by the last year, it was up to, like, 400. Yeah. And it was growing every year where, like, it was literally just me putting it out. And then, like, because I traveled so much, it just kind of popped out to, like, I'd get submissions from places I'd never been and people I didn't know. So it was very interesting to see, like, oh, people will come, like, if you're able to, like, put a, 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 an experience together and try to, like, add some value for everybody at every point in the in the process. So when the uh, uh, judges would gr- grade the thing, I'd ask them for, like, a letter grade plus or minus and then something the comic that did, did well and then something they could work on. Yeah. And so I wouldn't give the comic the grade, but I'd give them what the judges said they did well and what they said they could work on. And like a lot of times, sometimes it's like, hey, this video had like I couldn't hear. There was talking like right by the camera or like, you know, like they seem rushed or whatever, whatever feedback they get. It's at least constructive enough where like your 15, 20 dollar submission fee. If not, I've seen some festivals like World Series account. It'd be like this week's one hundred fifty dollar submission. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of comics will use the same clip for all of those. So if your clip has bad audio. And you don't know that, 
and you use it for every single festival you submit to, you can just be throwing hundreds of dollars away without understanding what's wrong with what you're sending. It's nothing to do with what you're doing. It's the, the way you presented it. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And so like, that was a thing that like, I, that's completely uh, uh, against the grain of how regular comedy festivals did things. Yeah. So like giving some value to even people who aren't in the festival and then people who get in, I know when you get in festivals, a lot of times like, Hey, you're in, get here, however you're getting here and stay wherever you're going to stay. And so it's like, what can I do to combat that? So, uh, I like think the second year I got, um, the hostel had just opened in Cleveland. So I rented out like the whole hostel and just the comics all had somewhere to at least like stay. Like some of them had to like room together and like a dorm style shit, but at least like it was in one space. I was able to like cook breakfast for everybody in the kitchen. Like it was kind of by a bunch of bar hopping areas. Hell yeah. And then, but that gets expensive. You know what I'm saying? So even to do, to do that, we are still not even paying anybody, but that costs three, four grand. Yeah. For you sure. know what I'm saying? Easily. Yeah. So it's like the things that you try to do to just give artists a sense of validity and like, I don't want this weekend to be an L for you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm giving you somewhere to stay and giving you a, hundred dollar stipend that's nothing right but i'm now as a festival producer now i'm at like seven thousand dollars of cost and i've barely done anything for you right and then if i want to give everyone a shirt that's another grand if i want to give everyone a hat that's another 1500 so it can add up like quick and you didn't even book a headliner yet yeah you know, so, but the positive side of that is because you have these distributors or these breweries, what money y'all working with? Because sometimes they'll throw an event, they'll just have 10 grand just sitting there for like a karaoke night that they want to do or like just some shit. So it's like if each of these breweries is giving you five grand, two grand, one grand, like you can get a number from them to kind of base your budget off of yeah. Yeah. before you sell any tickets. And then just hustle your ass off to sell tickets. Yeah, yeah. So that's the that, that's a basic breakdown of like I was just trying to give dignity to artists and like have it. You know, I've had a lot of people who told me like they were feeling bummed out about comedy before they came to the festival, and then it kind of like reinvigorated them and like reminded them of like why they love it, the things that. So it's like being mindful of that and. A, that may have nothing to do with the shows being successful, but if the shows are successful, they'll probably also have this. Mm, You know what I'm saying? So it's like a very symbiotic uh, relationship. For sure. For sure. Hell yeah. Dude. Yeah. I'm so grateful. Dude. Every single time I have a chat with you, it's always so full of insight and I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, Seriously. You just schooled the fuck out of us. Yeah. No problem, man. But it's one of those things. Like, I think I I wish more of us were aware of just the like. I, I think most of more of more of us are noticing that like you can operate independent of the system, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, or try to adhere to the system. Like most of us 
trying to get booked. We're going to go to open mics. We're going to go, you know, LA specifically, like, okay, I'm going to whatever mics I can get up at. I might go to the comedy store on a Monday and sign up for the open mic and try to get on that. And then like, that's the extent with which you're trying to do comedy in LA. And it's like, okay, well, if you, if you know someone who works at the comedy magic club in Hermosa beach, Hey, next time you're there, can I go with you? They'll give you free food and drink just for being someone's guest. Nice. Yeah. And you just hang out and you, you talk to the manager. Hey, can I, can I email you a clip sometime? Okay, cool. And then you do that. Taking three hours to drive down there through traffic is going to be more valuable and not performing is going to be more valuable than going and sitting three hours at an open mic and not performing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like sure. the times, the times the same, but what are you trying to get towards? Yeah. yeah. You know, um, it's something to keep in mind. So it's like, and then also like, you can just do this shit at the crib. You can write scripts. You can write tweets. Like I know people who they started writing just tweeting jokes and doing, you know, tweeting dumb shit. And then they got reps bef- from that. And then they started like writing scripts and shit. And then they've worked on like TV shows. They've written on shows all from just tweeting in the middle of the country. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So it's like, there's a lot of these things you can just try and do. And like, it's not everyone who tweets bullshit all the time isn't going to get that. <laughs> yeah. But if you're, it's one of those, if what you're trying to do is that joke, that specific, like we were talking earlier, like the monologue, like jokey joke, like boom, 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 boom. Mm. Yeah. Twitter's, Twitter's perfect for that. You yeah. can, you can write a tweet and have that bitch pop off and it can be the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, but someone who's good at Twitter might not be good, good at TikTok. Someone who's good at TikTok might be trash at Instagram. Like it's all so weird. So it's like try them all out and find what you are comfortable with or what fits like what you're trying trying to get towards. Because even you know, I don't know what the mics are like, or what the access is around where you are. But it's like trying to keep the the engine and motor running when you yeah. can't get up and do it the the way we were doing it. Yeah. Like, I've always felt like as a writer, if I write something like right now and it's like the best script in the world, like who, but at the, at the end of the day, who's going to care? Like, I'm just some guy, like, I can't like, like you said, like if I wrote the, like, if, let's say I wrote the fucking best episode of the Simpsons, I can't show it to anybody that works at the Simpsons because mm-hmm. they're not legal. Well, there's, you know? there's, um, there's a website called uh Coverfly, I believe it is. I it's have, like a script, like. Yeah, you could you could put it up on there. You could there's something every once in a while there'll be like a free contest you could submit your shit through, or like I just submitted a short film I wrote real quick because I didn't see the deadline in time, but I paid like a hundred some bucks just to get two pages of feedback with it, mm. just so I was know someone. It? You find that the cover fly feedback was worth it? Um, it was in the sense of like I wish I would have. I wish I would have spent it on a script I had done more uh, time with mm, okay. instead of something I punched out under to get it done to <laughs> yeah. submit. Does that yeah, make sense? I totally get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that again, it's one of those like, okay, I'm willing to do it just to see if it has value. And then like seeing what I got back, I'm like, okay, this is constructive in certain ways because it lets me know that I could have done a better job of like, like they got a gist of it, but they didn't get, they were confused by the end of it instead of understanding what I was trying to give them. They were like, this is an interesting thing, but like, 
it's it does like the dude just gives up. I'm like, well, yeah, sometimes motherfuckers give up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so like that it's one of those things. So there's that. There's actors access, like you said earlier. That's sixty-four bucks a year. You every day you can get on there, you can submit to fucking listings and do an audition or two a week. Whether you book it or not yeah. is out of your hand. But like I've gotten like probably I booked a lot of like callbacks and then I actually got offered one thing, but because of COVID, they're like, Oh, we're only doing local hires. But it's still one of those things like this is just practice. Like yeah. I did more auditions living in Ohio over the pandemic than I did living in L.A. with representation. <laughs> so uh, it's because they're only going to submit you for shit that they think you're right. For. You can fit in yeah. versus I can submit to literally anything yeah. and, and see what they think, you know. Mm. Um, but those are two outlets that are available for you to like you know, put your shit through. Um, again, if you, you know, you guys can read each other's script and be like, Hey, can you go just to get someone to give you a little outside perspective of like, Oh, this, this would be interesting here. Like what, uh, what does this character do if there's not the show, like what's happening? Like just to make your brain kind of churn in a little different uh, path. But even, you know, anytime you can write something and have a sample, like I, I remember, I was, I think I was listening to like a Mark Maron podcast and it was like Donald Glover. And he was just like, yeah, like uh, someone, uh, I think it was Tina Fey was like looking for a writer and say, said his name and he, he went in and she was like, you had any samples? And he had sketches from his sketch group, Team Derek. He had a movie script he'd written. He had spec scripts, he had things. So he yeah. had to be like, okay, here. And then, oh yeah, okay, you you you're you seem capable, come through. Versus, oh yeah, I'll write something. By the time you write something, they already hired somebody. <laughs> they forgot about you. So having that shit done, you it might feel like, what was this for? It's good to have that quiver in your arrow even to every year you can submit to writing fellowships you can submit to um you know different contests on that cover fly there's a whole bunch of different paths and outlets you can you can you can just save up and pay to join the writers guild it's a couple grand but then you're on a li- like then your your access changes again mm. you know um but that's that's one of those things that you're like, I don't want you don't think we don't think in those ter- in those terms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, it, it, you know, but there's a lot of resources that you can find through the Writers Guild website for aspiring writers. Mm-hmm. So, it's you know, it's just Googling and clicking and, and spending your 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 downtime while you're smoking weed, like Googling yeah. that type of shit. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Nice, dude. Um Dude, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Yeah. That was like, uh, honestly, like a very informative interview. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking you down Hollywood. You heard? Yeah. <laughs> that was for, uh, <laughs> I guess, I guess that's what I'm nerdy. Like, I don't know how to explain that type of nerdiness to people, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was dope. It was yeah. like, every, like I said, every time it's super educational, I'm grateful. Same. Thank you so much. Seriously. No doubt. You got any shows coming up? Yeah, uh, I'm doing Gethard's show, but like uh, I'll be dropping the, the new album called Apparently Adios. Uh, it'll come out on Thanksgiving. Uh, I, picked, I picked that just because I'm like, people will just be chilling to crib. 
the initial boost of like sharing and shit that I would be able, you know, I'm like, all right, let's just boop. Because my first few albums I put out to no affair or uh, reviews or anything, I just got like a couple tracks on Sirius and then started seeing money. So I'm like, hey, man, I'll do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that comes out the 25th. If you want to listen to it, cool. Where uh, if you, not, uh, just, just where can you find it? Uh, it'll be on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Pandora, uh, anything, anything you listen to music on. Nice. Um, and then my other albums are uh, Ramon Rivas Revisited, uh, and then uh, Stick to Comedy is the other one. And then I put out a, a, a greatest hits album from of. Uh, interview segments from my cannabis and culture podcast and so it's called now that's what i call pre-baked volume one <laughs> nice. and so those are all on all those platforms cannabis and culture sounds like the more refined version of our podcast <laughs> yeah, man. again it's all in how you frame it baby <laughs> oh. thank you so much for coming on man no problem, man. Thanks yeah. for having me. I appreciate it. I think I want to call this episode Cannabis and Culture. I'm just yeah. going to grab. Hi, you're listening to Comics and Chronic, and I'm Jacob H. I'm Cody Cannon. And I'm Anthony Iannaccio. And you can tune in every Thursday to hear new episodes of Comics and Chronic. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Comics and Chronic. That's Comics, the letter N, Chronic. We'll see you guys next week. Woo! Peace.